episode 49 of the Metro Fan TV rundown coming to you in the middle of struggle season ladies and gentlemen welcome 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 to the episode where we post a lot of cope it's a bit of a throwback episode here today and this is our second time trying to record this due to personal emergencies but we'll not really get into that too much because instead we will get into the intimate dealings of a certain Fernando Gonzalez how are you yeah, been better. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing been better. Uh, both both personal and also uh, uh, the team. That's 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 his team has not made me happy at all <laughs> in the last couple of couple of weeks, it, to say the it, least. It, it's been a run of results that just makes you want to drink bleach to uh, cleanse the pain for sure. I mean, I seriously, think that's where my brain is at. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not been a fun ride at all this last month. I think that goes without saying. Um, of course, as I think you know, but now it's a throwback episode because Juan couldn't join us um, today, this week. Uh, yeah, yet another victim of uh, the inscrutable ideas of Gerhard Schuber. Unfortunately, he's been, he's been benched. He's uh, now hanging out with Cameron Harper. He's not, he's now hanging out with Cameron Harper. Somewhere down in Ripple, too. So, <laughs> on fuck the zip up, too. Yeah. Um, he, will he be back next week? I don't know. But for, for but for now, I think you could probably find him next to Mandela Egbo in the starting 11. I don't know. Anyway, um, let's just get straight to the chase, I think, right? Because I kind of I don't think anyone's really in the mood for some joshing or bullshitting or whatever. And uh, the last. This latest run of results, right? I think um, drawing scoreless draw against fucking Cincinnati at home, and then losing two one on the road to Chicago away. I mean, like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I really can't believe we've gotten to this point, right? Where the next few games are basically going to decide the season. I think, right? We find ourselves, I think, um, five points below the line in ninth place, I believe. At the time of speaking, uh, Columbus are in seventh, if I'm not mistaken, five points ahead of us. Yep. Um, wow, we don't even have 20 points. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, a bit of a miracle that we've actually managed to retain our spot in the table despite this run of results, but that should really tell you how weak the Eastern Conference is this year. Right. And I think the very fact that we haven't been able to pick up these opportunities and end up around hovering around 19 points in August should kind of tell you everything you need to know about how things have gone over the last month or so. Um, and I think unlike previous years, right, previous iterations of the team, you know, I think um, there's no clear solution as to what is happening. You know, I think um, it's just based on the eye test for sure. We, we, we know that a lot of the uh, verve and a lot of the uh, intensity that you saw earlier this year, I mean, that's kind of gone. You, know, you, find, you find a team that's kind of mired in a bit of a malaise right now. Um, the spacing in midfield looks a bit off. Uh, you know, I think the intent and purpose that you saw when building with the ball in possession is gone 
right? You're now mostly starting to see people, you know, like just kind of lofting hopeful long balls forward and hoping something sticks basically. Like, like you, 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 you compare that to earlier this season, which I find really astounding actually, you know, I, where, where there was a intent in how we wanted to play with the ball and we win it back in possession, right? And now almost all of that just seems to have evaporated. You know, despite the fact that um, this is more or less the same set of personnel that we've had throughout the year. And this is the thing that we're kind of struggling with here, right? There's no, there's no clear-cut solution, I think, to what's plaguing the team right now. We just kind of know that the results are pretty fucking bad. And uh, basically unacceptable, really, for um, for the ambitions that were apparently laid out um, at the beginning of the year. I think if you are top brass right now, there can't possibly be a way that you would be happy with what's transpired over the last month or so. Right, and I guess we'll try and take it from there. You know, we'll we'll be deciphering, I suppose, what's going on here. Um, I think uh, obviously the main the main culprit, and I think a lot of people's minds would probably be the fact that our defense has taken a massive hit in terms of depth and personnel playing. But I still maintain that uh, the midfield, I think the midfield definitely kind of worries me more at this point, right? Because, like I said, same guys that were starting the season really well. They get called up for various international competitions or get injured. Then they come back and they just seem to have lost something, right? I'm not really sure what it is. Um, but, but you know, like, 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 <laughs> within the space of one season, all the gains that they've gotten just seem to have completely disappeared for this entire month. So yeah. <clears throat> is it is it a mental thing? Is it a conditioning thing? I mean, they seem to think that, uh, you know, if, like the lack of a proper preseason seems to have cost a lot of guys for physical conditioning. But look, I mean, the fact is that it's, it's, it's August, right? I mean, like we can't blame preseason disruptions in August, you know? And it's not like exactly like this part of the schedule was like a secret either, right? Like we knew that there was going to have to be some semblance of rotation throughout um the season especially if you were going to be planning to being contenders because that would naturally be interest in national team setups for our players who are doing well right if you're a contending team in mls so now we find ourselves in the middle of like the busiest part of the year our guys are looking gassed um the ideas in midfield have seem to have completely disappeared our strikers have nothing to feed on basically right and uh, we are at one point down to basically one and a half healthy center backs, which <laughs> isn't exactly a winning formula by any stretch of the imagination, right? So I don't know. I guess your takes on uh, what's transpired the past few games. You know, I I feel like I would almost it would almost be better if we were just flat out mediocre or just not good all season. I think what makes all of the, of this so frustrating is a month ago we were talking about how this is it. Like, this is cool. You know, we're, we're, we're starting to see 
you know, steady progress from game to game. Even, even, even the games where they didn't go our way, you could pinpoint, you could, you could, you could mention specific moments or, or just in general, we, we looked okay. We performed well. We just maybe weren't lucky or, or, you know, we look good, just still got to cl- clean up a couple things. But the point was for me, at least, I feel like you saw a, a pretty clear trajectory going, going up. Right. And then yeah. that's it. That all of a sudden we look worse now than we did at the beginning of the season. That's, that's for me, not just the really frustrating part, but the concerning part too, because I mean, look, this is a, this, this is a good roster. There are definitely holes. I don't think even the, 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 the biggest pro, whatever the, the biggest, the person with the biggest blinders on would, 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 would even acknowledge that there are definitely some, some holes in this roster, but this is a better roster and a better team than, than, uh, than their, you know, than their current record. And to, so like there were obviously going to be growing pains and we saw those, we saw those growing pains and, and, we saw them growing. That was like the most important thing was, okay, are we seeing progress week to week? And we, we definitely were. So to all of a sudden see that just not stop, like they didn't just plateau. And then you can say, okay, hmm, maybe a little tweak here, a little tweak there. No, they're worse than they than they were at the beginning of the season. It wasn't like, it wasn't like the beginning of the season where, you know, you could see guys not, you know, missing runs and not, just not being on the same page and, and, and reading each other. They're just completely void of ideas. It is just a complete fucking mess. There's, there's really no other way to explain to, to, to describe it other than just being a complete absolute fucking mess. Guys who were doing well, guys who were showing progress all of a sudden look lost. Their confidence looks completely gone. Amaya is probably the biggest one I would I would pinpoint as someone who, when he first came, were like, "Wow, okay, I can totally see it." All of a sudden, now he looks almost scared. You could you could like physically see like fear in his eyes when he plays, and you know, 40, 50 minutes in, and he just doesn't look comfortable at all. All of a sudden, um, I know he was hurt for a bit, but still, it's just it's weird and it's frustrating because again, if they were just just bleh, the whole you know from the beginning of the season, whatever. But to see that trend going so high and then just boom, just like the rug just pulled from under on from under their legs, it's it's infuriating. And and it's what makes it worse is it's so hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. Like, yes, the midfield. The midfield I, I think the midfield at this point is should be the biggest focus. Not even the back line. I think the back line's been okay. I mean, even in this on under this bad run of games. They haven't played terribly. They gave up a goal in Toronto, one game, uh, one goal in, in DC, um, three in New England, which that game was just fucking stupid. Um, none, a clean sheet against uh, Cincinnati, and two kind of weird, bullshitty goals against Chicago, and kind of held it down for us of the game. We're not like getting blown out, which again just makes it fucking worse. We are not getting blown out. One one draw against. Uh, against Philly, one-one draw against Toronto, one-nothing loss against DC. The game against uh, New England was just three to two, zero-zero uh, draw against Cincinnati, and then two to one against Chicago. So, like, there's nothing where, like, as frustrating as these losses have been, and even the draws that feel like losses, 
again, we're not getting battered. Even when we don't look good and, and we don't look like we're dominating, and even when we are getting dominated, it's never like, oh God, we're gonna get fucking rocked. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like there's still so it's like there's still something there. Even even in the midst of this this really shitty run of form, they're still somehow keeping it together just enough to not get completely blown the fuck out. Which I guess is good. I mean, if this is if this is the floor, I mean, I guess it could be worse. We could be Miami or some shit. But it's still just I can't help but go back to it. What the fuck happened in the last month? What the fuck happened in the last month where we yeah. saw we game to game again, even games where we lost, there was such a clear trend from game to game trending positive. I know we've dealt with injuries and stuff, but like what the fuck? And my I think what were what might worry the most is a lot of people have talked about the game against Miami that got canceled. That was like the big moment. That was a turnaround because that was a game at home that you kind of you expect to win, right? Like there's no I even now I feel like we 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 would still probably fucking beat them. But that game didn't happen and then now you start this, you know, you start this uh uh this that two game away away uh away week against Toronto, which should have been a winnable game. And then against DC, which I was kind of more actually worried about that game to get than, uh, than Toronto, but you didn't win either one of those. You drop points against Toronto and then now you go into face New England. But what worries me is the game before that against Philadelphia, that I think is when I started looking back. I think that's when we started uh, when you can start pinpointing problems, not even the, forget the Miami, forget Toronto against Philadelphia. We should have won that game. Forget it a draw. We should have flat out won that game. The fact that they were up, that we were up a man for that long and, and it ended up as a one, one draw that just a performance in general, that game, I remember kind of squinting my eyes, like, wait a minute, this, this maybe it's just a blip, but that blip is now cascaded to something more. So we have uh, four games coming up for the rest of this month until that uh, to that long break uh, that leads to September 11th. So the last game in August is August 28th, home against Chicago. Then there's nothing until September 11th. Three of those four games are home, which are straight. First is Montreal this week in Montreal, which we never win. We've literally never won in that stadium before. And it's a big game because they're above us, like one above, I believe. Let me check the standings. Yes, they're eighth. So that's a huge game. Um, then it's the homestand Wednesday against Columbus at home. Columbus is in seventh place. Um, then it's the game I'm dreading. This is the first time I'm genuinely dreading a game against, uh, against city. That's going to be a Saturday under 21st. They're third right now. And then August 28th, the last, uh, home game of the homestand, um, against Chicago again. Hmm. If we are not clearly, clearly better if we are not well into the playoff race by that if we have not won at least two if we don't go two wins a draw and i'm just going to take the l of montreal but if we don't at least win two preferably three but win two draw one and one loss anything worse than that um my 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 thoughts for the season are 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 not good i it's just at that point you, 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 I, I don't, I don't, I don't see 
I don't I don't see how at that point you could turn the season around. Not not when there's you know less than two months from that point forward less uh, left of the season. Yeah, you know, I think uh, you, you, you touch upon this, right? I think it's kind of astounding that now, basically, the outlook for the season is a continuous series of uh, six-pointers, right? And we kind of knew that this was what it was going to be like going into the season because we don't have Western Conference gimmies, right, this year. We can't just go have a morale-resetting uh, game at home against a Western Conference opponent who basically come in expecting to take the L, right? Those were our games earlier at the start of the season literally at the start of the season. And, uh, you know, we don't have the luxury of that this year, right? And uh, you touch upon, like, you know, another thing, right? And, like, I, I think this is so much the floor of the team as much as this is the fucking wine cellar, right? Like, this <laughs> <laughs> right now. But you also touch upon this thing about um, the week-to-week purpose disappearing. Right, and I think this is the the, mo- the most frustrating thing for me, I think, over this run is just how inscrutable the plan has become, right? I think um, what the team is supposed to be achieving week after week. And I think you can sense this from the players as well on the field, right? Like um, the general sense of frustration, they're basically getting on each other's cases a little bit more. The managers on the touchline actively giving instructions but the team just don't really seem to know how they want to respond or what they're supposed to be accomplishing right in the greater in the greater context of uh, the tactical system that you're supposed to be executing then on top of that you have some well to, real quick to, to that point to your point you just made I, I, I when you say it, it it reminds me of of a comment edwards made in the press conference he actually mentioned oh i think we should just get back to the basics to what was working before and I really do wonder if maybe Struber saw all this progress and just maybe tried to start overcomplicating things, and maybe that's how things have fallen apart. Maybe they really just need to kind of simplify things a little bit because there are there have been a lot of times where the guys just look lost. There's I've, I, there were a couple of people in the last game that had mentioned uh, not the last game, um, uh, the game before that against Cincinnati, where you could see some of the players just like throwing their arms up in the air when Schubert was telling us something, almost like they didn't know what he was asking. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it's that, it's that thing particularly that kind of gets me curious. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Curious is really the right word that I'm going for here, but like I said, right. Like I think um, if it comes to a case where the manager is actively trying to push the team to play a certain way, right from the touchline but it's not taking then you know i think there has to be a point where you really have to question if the manager has his handle on what he wants to accomplish right like i said you know like uh for example to illustrate this point uh, a week by week basis at the start of the year i think we started with getting the, the shape right the diamond looked like it was capable of putting out a pretty decent 60 minute press so it's back acted as a matter of fitness right then against like some of the week uh, some of the games against the weaker teams in the conference such as toronto and uh i think chicago right you saw some of that possession element come through right and the way that we purposely try to build the ball out the back um, it wasn't like Barcelona tiki taka style shit, of course, but you could see the quick vertical possession play that he'd be going for, right? The guys making continuous line breaking passes through the midfield to try and move the ball up the pitch as fast as possible while in the counter, right? As soon as we win the ball back, that was basically the tenet. 
uh, we think I thought it basically came to a head when we won two one in the road against Orlando, and then um, after that, you know, um, kind of a giant question mark, huh, about what ha- it's happened since then, right? I think you touch upon this uh, thing about um, us seeming to lose something when we basically lost against ten men Philadelphia at home, right? Now we didn't have something post that to try and basically mitigate or have a mental reset because the game against Miami got rained out. Um, But it goes back to this point again, right? Like from that moment on the week by week goals, right? That the manager would set for the team have basically disappeared. Right. So now, now, now the midfield is just not contributing anyway towards, you know, linking between the defense and the attack. And as a result of that, our attackers aren't really getting high amounts of opportunities to create something, right? The level of service they're basically getting is long balls lofted at them from the back. Hopeful long balls, basically, right? We're just hoping they can get on the end of some of these aerial duels and they can work with something from there. But, you know, like, that's not really the same type of buildup that we saw earlier this year, right? And then you talk about this thing as well, where it seems like the manager's trying all kinds of different things, right? And it seems to be that the combination of personnel and spacing, right, the way that the four in midfield are being spaced is kind of mucking things up a little bit more, right? If you're going to be switching things up on a week-by-week basis, right, going from the diamond to this, I think, flat four that they played against Cincinnati and just it looked like absolute shit, Right? And it's going to confuse guys even more, right? And then I think uh, one thing that we have to talk about is the fact that I, I think um, the, 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 the million-dollar solution here is that I don't think, I think it's kind of being exacerbated as well by some of the personnel decisions, right? I mean, the defense, I understand. Um, it was the shallowest part of the roster, and we've been just absolutely plagued by injuries this year. But the multitude of injuries we have in ourselves is another question that I want to lobby towards the coaching staff because there's no way, A, that they should be happening at this frequency week by week, but also keeping guys out for as long as they have. You know, and if we're going to be, if this is the way that we're going to be managing injuries, then I really do wonder why it is that we didn't do more to address that in the, in the offseason. But to go back to my main point about the midfield just looking completely off, right? I think um, it feels like it's a combination of the the tinkering of the spacing, but also some of the personnel decisions, like I said, right? And I think now it's unfortunate that you have a rather raw 18-year-old that he seems to be hanging on as being this piece that he wants to, like, uh, that he wants to lean on heavily, right? And Wickelman Carmona, even though I think it's pretty clear that he's just kind of not ready for this level of responsibility yet. I don't deny that there's potential for a really good player there, but you look at some of the way that he, some of the stuff that he does with his game, you know, I think his decision-making still leaves a lot to be desired. Um, he doesn't really, he, he, he isn't really fast enough to play with the team around him as of yet. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've not, I'm not really opposed to shooting from distance with any frequency, but, you know, I think, uh, 
some of these shots that he takes, man, I think it really just, just ends up disrupting the rhythm of the team when they're in transition. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like we win yeah, the I mean, ball. What, what, one of the reasons why shooting like that is, is typically been frowned upon, whether, yeah, especially even when, when Jesse was here is like, like you said, it, it really disrupts, uh, disrupts things. You, you don't want, especially when you're playing, when you're pushing so many guys up, fo- uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're pushing so many, so many guys forward, when you've committed that many guys, you just have some knucklehead, you know, kind of like behind all of them, just fucking yeeting it, you know, and just going for it. You you lose possession at that point. Now you have a thousand guys that, that have to just haul ass to cover. And that's really the main reason why it's kind of been frowned upon. Yeah, it's it's not a it's good once in a while, but you can't just have guys wailing it when they just completely lost ideas because you're just like you said, you're just you're fucking everything up. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 it prevents you from moving the ball into like a higher danger situation, right? Especially since <clears> the whole tenet of the press is winning it back in high danger areas where there will be guys run streaking into the space left behind by um, people um, who have lost the ball, right? Against uh, your opponents who have lost the ball in danger situations, leaving a lot of space for them to run behind. And, you know, and I think it's not just the fact that he shoots a lot from distance, but it's also the fact that I think he just doesn't think fast enough at this level you know like uh, there are certain touches that don't come off as quickly there are decisions where he you know i think he doesn't really quite move the ball to where it should be or at the pace that he should basically what i'm trying to get at here right and of course this is to be expected for an 18 year old like in his first professional season but the very fact that we're thrusting an 18-year-old in his first professional season to try and orchestrate all of this, right, continuously, is kind of a testament to the fact that I am not really sure, right, if the manager has the best grasp on the personnel right now, on what is the best situation to be putting them in to succeed. But, you know, I think um, it goes back to a directive, I suppose, uh, I suppose that that they've been going for earlier this year, but they're going to be specifically looking for young players that have had senior professional minutes. Right. And I suppose like this is Carmona's professionalization in a way where he's being thrust into this role because they think it's the best um, part of his development. But you know, it's, it's, it's a case for me where it's not so much the idea right behind it, but it's the execution of it because I'm not really convinced that he should be like, an inked in name on the 11 every single week as he is right now, basically. Right. Like, um, you know, like, 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 you know, I think a name like him definitely made sense for some seasoning down at ripple to, uh, and which kind of seems like what, what was going on at the beginning of the year, but then he yeah, got called played, up, played five games. Yeah. Yeah, and then he got called up because of, like, the injury apocalypse, right? And, like, all of our guys got injured. And he got kind of thrust into this role a bit prematurely, you know? And But now we're starting to get guys back, you know? Like, I'm not really convinced that he should be sticking around to get substitute minutes off the bench or anything, you know? In fact, this uh, ability to make decisions, right? To make the right decisions when we've won the ball back in transition would actually be a bit more conducive to being done with Red Bull 2, you know, if he's really because the game is a lot slower for him, so that he has to understand and grasp what he's supposed to do when he's in transition. And he's in transition with 
at a at a level that's a bit more suited to him, right? At this current moment in time, you know, especially yeah, in the absolutely. rhythm of a start, right? Start starting appearances are a lot different from like a substitute from substitute mm. appearances because you yeah, yeah you can, just, you know, and that's why I think you know it can it wouldn't be the worst to just send him back down to Ripple too for some extra look, seasoning and what to do. So and look, I'm not even I'm not even opposed to to trial by fire. You know, when it comes to 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 you know young players, I mean. You know, it, it it's fine. Typically, we have in a, in a normal season, you have U.S. Open Cup that you can kind of throw in the first game or two. You know, early see, you know, uh, a schedule congestion. Maybe they do see a couple of first team games. Um, I I don't mind the fact that he's played some games with the first team, but I just don't think for me it's two things. One, I don't think he's shown enough to really warrant being penciled in seemingly every single game. But above that, I think it might just be a bit too much for him for, for what's quite frankly, a first season rookie. I mean, he's never played. I mean, this is his first time playing real professional, professional level, uh, level soccer. This might be a little bit too much for, for someone like that to be kind of involved in a team struggling right now. And I, cause I feel like, you just don't have that 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 like cache of experience to to kind of deal with it mentally, for one and and two at that age I, I don't know I mean he's not developing anymore at this point at, at you know eighteen years old you're you're kind of getting polished and you're you're getting you know your your kind of uh, your final configuration kind of thing you know like you should be settling in at this age, but still you know experience is a real thing and if if this is your first professional se- uh, 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 season there are some intangibles i think that have to get factored in you know he's he doesn't have experience with dealing with a whole team kind of sucking right now so i'm sure that's ma- that's making things even worse on his confidence because you know he he it's one thing looking lost when you're surrounded by a bunch of people looking at you like dude what are you doing because at that point you can pull him aside and say look it's okay you're not ready but when you're surrounded by a whole team that's just kind of looking lost. What do you tell that player? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's an awkward moment. I think an awkward position to be put in on top of, of being asked to kind of just be this pencil and starter. It's just, it's weird. And it's also weird seeing Amaya kind of just being thrown to the side when, you know, the team spent quite a hefty um, amount of money on him. If, if, if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to push and ride somebody to kind of just figure it the fuck out on the field, it's going to be him, not Carmona. Not that they really played similar, you know, the same roles. I guess they kind of sorted. I, it's just weird. I don't know. A yeah. lot of the roster decisions. It's 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 so hard to to make sense. You know, out of the the lack of rotation, the lineup decisions. It's just I don't know, man. It's it's fucking weird. I think when it comes to the question of Amaya versus Carmona, right? You know, I think uh, the 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 tenet that I can see is that Carmona is the central attacking midfielder that Schuber wants, but he's not necessarily what they need right now. Right. Yeah. And I think it's notable. And and I think it's pretty notable to see that a lot of the better results that we had earlier this year came with Amaya at the tip of the diamond, just simply Mm -hmm. because of like that tenacity and that bite that he had in the press. Right. That really turned that middle of the field into the buzzsaw, right. That Gerhard Schuber basically liked to play with in, uh, at the various other stops in his career, you know, and I think it's one of those things that we just seem to be lacking right now. Right. You talk about um, 
the intensity of the press. Like, Amaya was, like, bringing that in droves, like, to begin with at the start of the season, right? You saw the way that he worked in the counter press and started winning balls back, like, basically, like, almost all, like, like basically every time he stepped into the field. Then an injury happened, and then he just kind of found himself being rotated in and out due to a lack of fitness or whatever, because he can't go the full 60. I mean, he can't go the full 90. I mean, I, I, I understand that, obviously, but... um. We now find ourselves at a point where if we're talking about wanting to reintroduce some of that intensity right back into a press, I mean, I really don't see what's stopping us from reintroducing him into the lineup to try and get some of that going, right? And I think he's definitely been a bit frustrated at the fact that like he hasn't been getting a lot of the minutes that he was expecting to get in being traded over from Cincinnati, right? But, you know, I think at this point, like, what do you have to lose, right? Reintroducing him to the lineup at Carmona's expense. Right, because I think it's pretty clear that status quo, as it stands, is that Carmona is just not ready to take on this level of responsibility. So why not just go like 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 they say, just why not just go back to what was working at the start of the season and seeing basically like what's happened since then, you know? Yep. And this is the other thing that's been really annoying about this run is that the manager has just been incapable. Has it seems like he's gotten really fixated on certain things and has now just become so like laser focused on trying to pull off one certain thing that the results have kind of fallen by a wayside as a result of it, right? We're getting so hyper fixated on trying to do this one thing that we are suddenly resistant to change and trying out different things when it's clear that it's currently just not working, right? From a completely realistic, pragmatic standpoint, I can't really say that this has been successful based off the results that we have seen the last four or five games. You know, that's just how it is. That's just how it is, you know? And like, it's clear that there needs to be some kind of rotation because uh, just throwing the same guys out there every single week, you know, it's it's not conducive at all, basically, to a winning formula because, you know, we're just trying the same shit over and over again and it's just not working. <laughs> Nothing's gelling. Um, so I guess that's one potential remedy that I can think of. I mean, really, seriously, I, I don't see any reason why we have anything to lose just trying to put Amaya into starting 11 again. The other thing, of course, uh, was brought up on a once a Metro this week. Very good article. I should definitely recommend you all read it. The introduction of John Tolkien into the midfield against Chicago. Very potentially a pretty interesting wrinkle, right? Because I think when we talk about linking play being um, absent, right? Being absent. Um, let me think. Yeah, linking play being absent in this team, which is why we're starting to see the same, which is why we see like the general lack of ideas in midfield that we see right now, right? Like um, this is, this has been the thing that Tolkien has been able to provide in his midfield appearances at USL, right? I think that was that one game against Bethlehem Steel that was pointed out in the article that, um, you know, I think was a really good highlighting of the types of play that he, um, provides and of course i think like the added benefit is, is that you get to rest sean davis right i mean like who who's been looking increasingly tired i would say over the last few games you know token spelling in at the six makes more sense than tom edwards because he's actually played the position before to some degree i both the academy yeah. and reserve level in usl now the jump from usl to mls isn't so big but you know i mean he got tried out there against chicago and he looked the bill you know and now that Goodman's healthy, you could put a back line out of, you know, I guess maybe 
Goodman, Nealis, Reyes, and uh, Edwards or Duncan, right? And I think that probably looks a bit more conducive. You free up Sean Davis to either be up to to to, to take a breather on the bench, or maybe play a bit more of an advanced role. You know, there are all kinds of possibilities that happened with John Tolkien in the midfield. That I think they should probably try and try it out against Montreal and see what sticks. You know, I mean, again, we have nothing to lose at. Again, nothing really stopping us from trying some of this stuff, despite the fact that, you know, it seems to be six-point game after six-point game at this point in the season, you know? Yeah. But we're only in this situation right now because what we're trying right now obviously isn't working, right? I mean, it's real It's real desperate hours, ladies and gentlemen. It's desperation season. We have mm-hmm. to try something new because what we're doing right now isn't sticking, you know? And, you know, I mean, like, this is the kind of shit that we have to do now. Because we are in a pretty fucking dire situation, if the if the results don't turn around, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just I just looked at uh, at Davis's stats. He's played literally every single minute this entire season. He started every game and he has not been subbed out once. Jesus. <laughs> That's uh, and, and he's and he's. I mean, I I haven't looked at the I've looked at the stats um, probably in a couple of weeks, but I I know. I mean, as of like the twelfth game or something, he was still pretty much like top two or three every week for like the most ground covered. And and yeah, we we touched upon it earlier this season how he's definitely surprised us with like, wow, okay, actually he can cover a lot of ground as long as there's you know uh, a competent, intelligent you know instructions being being told to him. And <clears throat> so yeah, I just that's still that's a lot of that's a lot of. Uh, that's a lot of games, a lot of minutes for someone that that's covering a lot of ground. Um, you know, whether he's a physical anomaly like Felipe or not. I mean, I don't know. I just, I just feel like that's, I, I feel like something has to change. Um, he's been like kind of the, the, the most reliable anchor to it all. But I mean, at some point he has to rest, you know, maybe now is not the time for that. Maybe uh, I mean, he gets a, a rest, you know, during that, that two week break or something. I don't know. But um what I'm hoping to see, you know, now that guys are starting to come back, and that, that's the other thing I, I wanted to bring up too about the, the next couple of games. So not only are these next four games super, super important, but we're starting to see more and more guys come back from injury. So we know Nealis is back. He's been on the bench for some reason for two games now, hasn't played or hasn't started. Um, Reyes is apparently getting closer or something, but they tweeted a picture of him seemingly like fully training. Uh, so we should be getting him back. Royer is back. He was an A team. So I'm curious to see what happens with that back line. I would, I would say the mo I would hope at least the moment Nealis and, and, uh, and Reyes are, are ready for a start. They start. Now comes in question what happens at the right back. Does Edwards get benched for Duncan or does Duncan take over the right back spot? And if he takes over the right back spot, like, do we get a proper back line of Gutman, Nealis, Reyes, and Edwards? That excites me. Honestly, that, that, I think that would actually be kind of good with 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 kind of settling things. I mean, maybe some of this is is maybe some of the midfield problems is uh, maybe backline related. I mean, we 
kind of can pinpoint that a little bit way back in 2016. I mean, one of the problems in 2016 was obviously the center back uh, issue. And what we saw was because of the lack of confidence in the back line, you saw it trickle, you know, going further up the field, the, the, you know, the, the defensive mids really didn't know it. You know, there wasn't as much confidence. So they were a little, a little twitchy, a little reserved with, with going forward. And, you know, that meant guys further up had to drop back and it just kind of, you know, muddled things up. And once they were finally anchored in that back line, you saw that confidence come back and, and they were fine. Maybe that's what this all is. Who knows? But seeing that back four would be a really good, uh, a really good starting point, I think, to maybe kind of settling things and getting things back to normal. I will say this, though. I will lose my fucking collective shit. I will absolutely lose my fucking mind, okay? I'm, I'm issuing a shit on windshield warning if I fucking see Nealis Reyes and Duncan and Edwards on a bench. I will absolutely lose my fucking mind. <laughs> I, I will lose it. I'll fucking lose my shit. I hope that doesn't happen. Well, you know, I mean, uh, I guess the silver lining in all of this is the fact that, you know, I mean, I think uh, there there is proof that we are not shy of bringing in people at positions that we, that there are clear upgrades to positions of weakness, right? That we are capable of identifying and bringing in personnel to do that. And I think I look back on the off season that's inspired the past year. And, you know, I think there were some head scratchers at first, right. Based on coming off of 2020 thinking about like, Oh, why is it that we're suddenly bringing in all these uh, guys at positions that aren't necessarily a problem, right? Like why are we bringing in a goalkeeper? Why are we bringing in an additional right back? Right. When they weren't necessarily problem positions. And I think like now you're starting to see that why that is right. Like why it is exactly, um, they wanted to bring in these players at these positions, you know, because I think um, it's pretty clear that I think some of the incumbents of that position, as strong as they were in 2020, aren't really going to quite cut it for a team that has its sights set on higher ambitions. And that's just kind of me being really blunt about the whole thing. You know, I think... Uh, Kyle Duncan at this point is about to turn 25, right? I think either this year or next year at this point, he's really about as close as it is to being a complete product. You know, I'm, I'm not convinced that he really has that much left to uh, do or develop. And he's still the ever inconsistent boom or bust player that he's been the entire time he's been on the team, right? There are just simply too many holes in this game right now for me to say that he is someone that can be relied on week in, week out to have any degree of confidence. You know, yeah, I, I feel like so. with Duncan, I feel like with Duncan, you can see um, he's like a, he's like a, the most professional raw player. I think I've seen <laughs> in a while. Cause like you, you can totally see why, People are like, oh, okay, I like you know. I mean, even even sometimes with even all of it, even just, even you know, me, sometimes like, oh, okay, no, that was actually like, wow, that was shit, that was good. But then like fourteen and a half seconds later, I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, there's just there's his highs are highs and his lows are lows, all like at the exact same time. It's really really infuriating. And 
the reality is, look, I don't try. I want to. I don't want this to turn into into a thing where like we're picking on anybody or players. That's just kind of. I don't like doing that kind of stuff. But at the same time, this is someone who didn't really become a professional player until he came. He came back. Yeah. I mean, at that age, he was you know what twenty one, twenty two years old, getting his first professional games. Edwards is already twenty one years old. He is he's already a a reasonably seasoned professional. He had like 80, 80 appearances, professional appearances by time he, you know, by his by time he came uh by time he came here at twenty one years old. So we're just talking to like very different caliber kind of players. And I don't mean that I really am not trying to be disrespectful, but it is just it's the reality. It's the truth. Duncan came at twenty one years old, not as professional. He never played professional games before. And yeah, sure, you could totally see that. Like, there's, there's, there's something there that maybe if if he played, if he started professional minutes at a younger age, maybe if he didn't run out of the academy and end up going, you know, end up going to Europe when he did, and he stuck around here, maybe that path would have been cleaner. But the bottom line is, it, it wasn't. And I, I, at his age, there's, there's no development. Like, you don't develop at 24, 25 years old. You polish, you adjust things, but you're not developing. And there's just some certain things about his game that are just so clearly like just not going to improve situational awareness, you know, stuff like positional awareness. You don't, you're not, you, you can't develop those things anymore at this point. So here you have a 21 year old um, with, again, already more professional appearances than I think he, that I think Duncan has at 24 years old before he got here. I, and just look at the guy play. Edwards just has this like, this calm, cool, collective like energy to him. He just he just goes out there and he balls. Like he's not a center back, and look how well he's done it. And uh, he's he's done as you know, emerges he pinch center back. He just he has a good soccer IQ. He has you know he's not raw at all. He is a true professional at this age. I don't. I to me, there's just no, there's just absolutely no excuse or reasoning to 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 not. To not just throw Edwards to the right back spot the moment the two center backs are available. Yeah, I I think that kind of yeah that's that's the thing for me. You know, I think um, it's also a question of what he offers going forward, right? I think there's just more of a refined service game with his deliveries than I think I see with Cal Duncan really. I mean, I don't deny that Cal Duncan's capable of a pretty decent surging run forward, but you know, I mean. Just, just looking at Occam's razor here, right? I've seen more from the younger player going forward on both sides of the bowl than I have seen with a guy who's been with us for like three years now, right? And continues to still have the same old kinks, same old deficiencies that have really prevented him from, I think, taking the next step in his career. So, you know, basically that kind of settles it for me at right back. I mean, I kind of think we have better options out there. Um, I guess we'll round out this with stocks, I guess. Um, I'm just going to give I'm, – I'm only going to give out, really, I think, one stock up, I think, <laughs> over this last whole stretch, and that is to Carlos Cornell. Just because I think, you know, it's – I mean, anytime the goalkeeper stands out compared to the rest of the team – You've usually done something bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it it's not. It's good for the goalkeepers' union that he's stood out. I think uh, he's really proved his worth. I think of his shot stopping, uh, the past past few games, and I think he's settled in. I think a lot more. Right. 
than some of the jitters that we saw earlier in the season. But it's not good for the team that the goalkeeper basically has to make a few blinders every single game, right? In order to put us in a position where we can eke out a few results. You know, that's just the natural paradox of the position. And uh, I'm going to give all three of my stock downs to Gerhard Struber because I think um, <laughs> uh, I, the, it feels like the plans kind of come off the rails a little bit here the last few games. You know, I still think um, we is still enough time to turn it around. There have been teams that have been in more dire situations than we have to have managed to uh, improve their circumstances. But the very fact that I have to compare this team right now to the likes of Chicago and Cincinnati should tell you everything you need to know about how poor the season has progressed over the last month. Because we should not be talking about how Chicago and Raphael Wiki were in a lot worse situations than we were earlier this year with regards to this team, right? In an ideal world, this team would be binning those teams, okay? We'd, we we shouldn't have to be comparing yeah, ourselves right. to them. Simple fact of the matter is, if we are a team that truly has ambitions to contend and, you know, win trophies, why are we... We shouldn't have to be in a position where we are benchmarking ourselves against the bottom feeders of the league, you know? And, you know, I, I'm not Struber out just yet, but the results must urgently turn around over the next few games. Every single game we are going to play from this point onwards until the end of the year is a six-pointer, right? You have to go into each of these games thinking it's going to be a relegation six-pointer, even though there is no relegation in MLS. But that is the mentality that these guys got to have, you know? You have to fight for every single one of the points that you have left on the table now, Right to have any semblance of a chance of getting the season back on track, you know, because and this is the window that we have, and it will close a lot faster than we think if we continue to splutter. Simple as that. Yes, I, I agree definitely for sure. Uh, uh, Cornell's really been been very solid the last uh, the last couple of games. Um, Want to add that to the whole frustration of. You know how the team was was you know trending upwards. He's like the only one who kept on trending upwards. <laughs> He's yeah. the only one that just like continued that path. And it's like, damn, if everyone else just kept on going, we would be such a good team right now. So, I mean, it is what it is at this point. But yeah, I mean, he's he's thankfully been like for sure the only like strong point. I think, uh, uh, and it's pretty miserable pretty miserable run because some of these games could have been a lot more grim. We could have lost at home against Cincinnati because there was, I think one or two crossbars that were hit by Cincinnati. We legitimately could have lost. That would have been fucking terrible and embarrassing. Um, I mean, more it's already embarrassing to draw at home against Cincinnati, but to have lost, that would have been, oof, that would have been bad. Um, my two stock downs, it's it's going to be the management. It's going to be one for Struber and one for Thelwell. Struber for yeah, I think that's fair. seemingly not figuring this shit out. I mean, look, I, I'm I'm if I were to take a step back and 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 realize, oh, not realize, but recognize that he was dealt with kind of a shitty hand with the amount of insane injuries um, that the team has had. 
with basically not having a preseason. So I know the team didn't really hit the ground running the way he had hoped. He's been help. He's been dealt a, a not a good hand, but at the same time, like dude, you were brought here to to lead this team to something new, right, and to something bigger. You you were brought here for two and a half million dollars. Like the the owner of the goddamn all of Red Bull, like got involved apparently to to bring you here. So the expectations were a bit higher, and my expectation really is he should be able to handle the situation a little bit better. Like, I'm not going to say that we should have gone like undefeated and we should have been like, you know, like still a top team in a league given the situation with the injuries and stuff. But I definitely expected something better than, than how he's handled it. I expected him to kind of deal with some of this adversary better than he has. And more importantly, something I feel like has not been said enough is one of the reasons why he was brought here is because of his experience with, with youth, with, 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 uh, with life ring. Mm, right. Yeah. That's one of the, the main reasons why he was brought here was he had, you know, he supposedly had this, this ability to, you know, to groom these kids. And look, he does have a history of that to be clear. He does for whatever reason, we're not seeing that right now. Maybe this is part of it. Maybe he's like, just let them fight, let them eat each other. Like just maybe this is hard parenting or some shit. I don't know. Maybe this is part of his plan of just, let it be like sometimes you got to let, you know, the, you let, let, you let the, uh, the young lads kind of fail a little bit for a little while before they kind of get the shit together. I don't know, but to me, this is unacceptable. Just roster management, uh, uh, rotation or lack of rotation, uh, roster decisions. I mean, there's, there's a, a, a good, almost growing list now at this point of, of questionable decisions. If at the end of this year, we've done a huge turnaround and look, we're not winning the cup. But if, if there's a clear turnaround and, and at the end of the season, we could be like, okay, you know what? Now I see why he did certain things. Fuck yeah, cool, awesome. There's a plan. But please show me that because right now it looks fucking grim. And I got to give a, a, a stock down to Thelwell. Like, what the fuck, man? I, I, I've, I would say I definitely support him at this point. Like, my leash with him is longer than it, I think it is with, with, with Struber. But... What what annoys me is why the fuck did he not bring in a center back earlier? And to me, the answer ends up being, well, they tried to. It's a usual, right? It's a usual bullshit. Oh, they tried to. You know, there were real links out there. To be fair. To, to you know a player or two of a good of a good profile so the attempt was was genuinely made but like fuck it's a whole different regime and yet again it's the same shit of if they don't get that first maybe second option player they punt they just that's it okay we're good i'm very excited about um God, who was the fucking player we just signed? Um, Lucas Monzone, I think. Yeah. Yes. Very excited about him. Very, especially after reading uh, the article on what's about you. I'm definitely excited about him. But that, to be very clear to anyone listening here, that is not an answer for this year. If he ends up being an answer, hell yeah. But he won't even be part of the equation to be an answer until September. So yeah. <laughs> at that point, I'm sorry, the, the, the season is either lost or or one b- b- by the end of this month, in my opinion. 
I mean, I guess we could be in some weird state of limbo, but I don't know, man. It, it doesn't. It, it's it's these next games are important, so he's not a factor. So like, what the fuck? Like, why can't they just like? It, are, are they that just like hyper focused on like just one or two? They did a this. It was the same shit with um with Haskell at the beginning of the season. Okay, oh, cool. Yeah. You guys were totally down to spend, you know, what was it, four million or something like that on this guy. You didn't want to spend the extra million. Uh, okay, I get it. But there were no other players for four million that you could have found of of that profile. And this this is not like stupid, you know, difference maker bullshit. No, that's a he was a good. You clearly were totally willing to spend that kind of money on, on on that profile of a player, that type of a player. There had to be someone equal to that or close, right? So it, it's just it's just another one of those moments where it's another transfer window where it's like, fuck, like, why are they so insistent on just like, if it's not this one or two guy, if it's not these one or two guys, that's it, we're done, and we'll figure it out later on. You know, later on. It, it's... Which which kind of get tied which kind of ties into the bigger question of honestly, Kevin, like what was the what was the purpose and point of, of the twenty twenty one season? If 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 this was genuinely a rebuilding year or a transit I want to say rebuilding. I hate that fucking word, just blah. if this was a transition year, right? Okay, cool. I get it. There was a lot of rot still there's still rot on this team. You know, there's still some players who clearly should not be here anymore. Um, if, if you safely assume what they're trying to go for, I get it. Um, a lot of issues that weren't fixed. I get it. The last, especially two years were really, really fucking rough under, under Armis and, 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 uh, and Dennis. I get it, but be transparent, be very straightforward and say, look, we are going to try our best to win every single game, but this is, this is more of a long-term, a long-term thing. And you know, we're going to have some bumps in the road this year. Okay, cool. Awesome. The expectations are set, you know, but we didn't really get that kind of transparency. We didn't get that kind of honesty. And I guess we should be used to it, but it still doesn't make it any more like it doesn't make it any less frustrating, you know? So here we are. Uh, what position are we at? Yeah, here we are in ninth place, um, pretty much halfway into the season. We are about to go into this really important stretch of of of, uh, of the season before really it's crunch time, and I don't know. I mean, he's he's rolling out certain guys that you kind of have to scratch your head and wonder why. Is that because he's just grooming him for next year? Is is Struber just saying, you know what, Shield is gone, season doesn't really matter. We're not going to win the cup. Put Carmona out. Let him learn. We lose points. We lose points. Like shit, like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's just. This is one of those moments where that lack, that typical Red Bull lack of transparency. And when I say typical Red Bull, for anyone listening who like doesn't follow other Red Bull like sports ventures, I cannot stress this enough. This is extremely fucking Red Bull. Whether it's the Formula One team, whether it's the uh, whether it's Leipzig, whether it's South, all of them, they're 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 fucking drift team for fuck's sakes, like hide shit and lies about stuff. Okay. Fucking drifting. That's like the least competitive like thing that there is. And they're still secretive with that. 
it's annoying. It's just very fucking frustrating. I hate that shit. And I really wish that if we had some type of clarity of what was the purpose and point of the season, maybe it's not as frustrating. And some people, of course, will still be pissed. Oh, you're not even trying, like blah, blah, blah. But for people I feel are more level-headed and, and are more infinite game-minded, you can take a step back and say, oh, okay, fine. You can you know, kind of begrudgingly just accept it. But there's at least some kind of transparency. But here you have the the single biggest transfer window in team history in terms of you know the money and twelve players, a huge turnover, all this talk at the beginning of the season about yeah we're getting you know we have our guys and blah 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 we're we're gonna go for it, you can't help but get a little fucking excited. You can't help but have a certain level of expectations. But if that's not what their expectation was, I mean throw us a fucking bone here. Just a, just a, a slight inkling of transparency would really go a long way with kind of quelling some of the anxiety I think with a lot of people. That's the end of my rant. I've honestly given up on trying to get this club to be more transparent about anything. <laughs> oh yeah, I it, it's it's I have too because again, like my my default expectation is just complete sealed secrets. It, yeah. It's again, it's like this literally with every sporting venture I know of, whether it's extreme sports or or on a more important uh, uh, scale, like just the other sports, like the racing, uh, their different racing ventures and anyone who follows formula one. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a joke within formula one about how secretive and kind of fucked up Red Bull are with how they, with how they do things between Red Bull and AlphaTauri. So it's, it's nothing new. Again, my expectations is always like super secretive, but it doesn't make me less frustrated. It doesn't make me less pissed because as someone who really does believe in like still, what their larger i guess identity is or what you what i feel the identity is supposed to be i get it i i still believe in it just throw me a fucking bone man just something you know and it just never happens it's always you know you're just sitting it's always sitting around wondering and assuming things and never any answers until you know the end of the season or if it's too late or whatever it's just it's fucking annoying yeah I mean, I think for me, when it, when it, when it comes to this kind of stuff, you know, I think, uh, I guess I'm kind of the opposite. You know, I think uh, <laughs> very much kind of a bit more like what I see in front of me. And the other Red Bull clubs are really just there for me to try and build a the framework for me to work with. Like, I don't watch a minute of Salzburg or Leipzig, so really, I can't really comment on that stuff to any uh, semblance of a degree. Um, but I think uh, what I what I really meant by like the secrecy kind of thing is the fact that um, I think it's more about the fact that I think that the, the the vacuum that that leaves invites a lot of unwarranted speculation necessarily, right? And people just kind of fill in their own blanks of uh, you know the same old uh, kind of uh, boring, overtrodden narratives that we hear way too much right like oh they should act like a big market team yada 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 oh god all that stuff I, that's why i think um you know i mean that's kind of what i mean by <laughs> that, that's sort of like my my um grievance with all of this more than anything but i suppose we can save that for some other time um i guess to round out the episode we did have a bit planned with uh, your comments and suggestions of course but uh, we couldn't do it today because Juan isn't here. So uh, we'll save that for another time. It is transfer-related in the spirit of the uh, transfer window opening and closing. Um, so um, 
don't worry, we'll get around to it uh, when Juan comes back. Um, but I guess uh, we'll, 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 we will dedicate some time, I suppose, to uh, talking about Lucas Monzone for a bit, because I guess, uh, you know, this was the only uh, major transfer, I think, um, the only major transfer, incoming transfer for the senior team that we saw. Uh, Steven Sirwata was uh, apparently done, but that has been like moving at a glacial pace, and I presume he's for Red Bull too, anyway. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, Monzone, of course, I think as some of you, as you all would know by now, 19-year-old joining us on 19-year-old Uruguayan left-footed center back joining us on loan from Danubio for the next 18 months. So yes, this is another Amir Murillo slash uh, Fidel Escobar kind of deal. I think it's actually more of a Fidel Escobar kind of deal, right? Because Mario just joined us outright from uh, San Francisco in Panama, if I'm not mistaken. No, no. He he was alone initially, and then they oh, signed him. we made him permanent, did. right? Before yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so another one of these like uh, long-term loan things, basically. But I think, um, as Fernando mentioned, knowing Visa... Visa and the ever-inscrutable fitness requirements of this team. Fitness-slash-tactical requirements of this team, right? Whatever the fuck that means at this point. Um, <laughs> like, um, probably not going to see the pitch until, what, probably mid-December? No, mid-September, sorry. No, but I said, damn. <laughs> what? <laughs> I see it's mid-December because we're making CONCACAF Champions League, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, anyway, I don't think CCL starts that early. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I think uh, I did clean some video. Uh, you know, I think in the spirit of uh, in the spirit of uh, what we do on this podcast, we did. I did do some YouTube scouting, right? And of course, there is a very comprehensive profile on what's a metro once again that you should definitely go and read. Ross Haley has been putting out some absolute bangers recently, but uh, you know, I'm gonna save um, what he has to say for that article. I'm gonna just give some thoughts and based on what I've seen from uh, some of the video that I gleaned. You know, and I think uh, again, like we find ourselves in an odd situation where the short-term outlook kind of looks like shit. But you can kind of see some machinations in the medium to long term, right? In terms of putting in together, in terms of collecting, I think, a variety of talent that can be molded into what I hope is a more well thought out tactical system <laughs> in the medium to short, in the medium to long term. And Monzone, you know, I think uh, stands as this uh, kind of successor to. Uh, Aaron Long, I think, uh, in terms of being a potential defensive linchpin, right, that we can build on. Like, I think you glean the video, you see the way that he works in the recovery defense and some of these uh, breakaways that he finds himself in. You know, he's very good at, like, I think, uh, relying on his physical gifts to shepherd guys out wide, you know. I think uh, definitely has the physical attributes to uh, do the emergency defending. I think that's required at the system. And of course, footedness is one of those things that always gets kind of uh, overlooked, right? Because of the way that right-footed center backs operating on the left side of the field will have to open up your body. Sometimes uh, it does close off certain angles, right? 
naturally from just being having to move the ball from one foot to another. On zone, being a left-footed center back definitely helps with a lot of things, right? Because A, you can shepherd out players on the left side of the field bit, with a bit more ease, but also I think with his distributive ability, it opens up a lot more natural passing channels for him to move the ball into, right? So additional levels of symmetry there. Um, and of course, what I like is the fact that like there are multiple times throughout his highlight video where he just kind of dives into a tackle wins it back, gets up on his feet immediately, and then immediately looks to play the ball forward. You know, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think um, it's, it's, that, it's that kind of thing that we're looking for, right? And it's not just like hoofing the ball forward, hopefully. It's actually very, it looks like pretty well measured uh, vertical balls in over the top two forwards that are hitting on the break. So you can kind of see the fit. You can see the fit with Monzone, you know, but at 19 years old, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some raw aspects to his game that he needs to uh, cut out. Uh, one of those uh, things about the Red Bull way, I suppose, is that you're going to be taking on a lot of projects. And this is another, this I think seems to be another one of those. I see I see the fit, though, ultimately. I, I will say I do see the fit. Um, I am excited to see him uh, on the field. But it comes back to the my take on this transfer window that while we did address, I think, a long-term problem point, my main beef right now is with the midfield and the linking plan. And that's why I think I'm a bit disappointed that we didn't make a move for a midfielder, I think. Because I think that is kind of sorely needed right now. We have a lot of generalists in midfield, but we don't have enough specialist so to say right and we basically have one roster spot wasted on the corpse of yuba diara right now i don't know what the fuck those hamstrings are made of (laughs) (laughs) i presume it's silly string at this point but i think we've really shot ourselves in the foot with our midfield situation right basically being having to operate one man down the entire season okay and like it seems like to me that was the most natural cut to make, right? Would be removing Diara because he is of the most sunken of sunken costs right now, and opening that spot to bring in someone different, you know. And I think now we find ourselves in a bit of a predicament. But at the very least, you know, with uh, the center back outlook, I think this is a good additional option to have. Um, I can see a pretty the the basis for a pretty good defensive pairing with say a Monzon and Reyes kind of deal, you know. I think that has a lot of potential. Sean Nealis as well is in the contention as well because he has come through in a pretty big way this season. Um, and I think uh, you know, of course, Aaron Long coming back from injury next year, you know, it's always a good good hand to have on the deck so maybe it's a case where monzone's going to be brought along slowly uh definitely assigning for 2022 at this point i think with uh, all things considered but you know um i don't think we take him on loan if we don't intend of at least trying him out at some point so i can expect that he will be getting some extended run of minutes um outright right to begin with because if we just wanted to really just stash him down a ripple two for a year or two we wouldn't have taken him on for time for a time limited loan. 
I don't think yeah, exactly. It, it definitely sounds like something that we will see first minute, a first minute trial of at some point, right? Yeah, um, I think I I think I ranted a little bit uh, too much, and I completely forgot to bring out the midfield. But you know, when you bring out the midfield, it it kind of it kind of circles back to what's the plan. I mean, Struber had an interesting uh, uh, reply to when he was asked about, you know, the, the, the midfield issue. And he's like, Oh, I asked Kevin or Dennis for why they didn't bring, why they didn't bring me uh, a midfielder. So is there a disconnect between what the plan was? Is there just a general disconnect? And, you know, with, with, I guess where their minds are as far as a roster build and, and what the plan was for this year versus next year. But also, I mean, maybe they didn't bring one in because maybe they are just kind of more focused for next year. I mean, is it, if, if your focus is really for next year, is it worth just bringing in a midfielder on an emergency without really thinking it through? I mean, at this point, that's the only logical explanation that I have for why they wouldn't bring someone in when it's, at least to me, it seems pretty clear that that there's that there are issues with the midfield, unless possibly they feel there are, the issues are correctable, and maybe the thing is correctable because at some point for you know this season, it was fine and it was trending positive. So maybe they feel like you know, uh, maybe not to disrupt that entirely and try to bring that back to what it was, and you know make more adjustments for next year. Who, who fucking knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I Gosh, mean, it's so fucking annoying. Yeah, I, I I don't know where else to really go from there. Really, I think um, uh... and I'm a Mets fan too, so it's double fuck you because like both my teams kind of had me string along. Like, wow, they're 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 doing okay. They're they're starting to do okay, and almost at the exact same time, I <laughs> knew. I was getting really into Olympic volleyball <laughs> as as a coping mechanism, by the way. So uh, we're kind of at the point where I'm picking up a new sport altogether to try and trigger some production of serotonin in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fuck! I can't even go to like even if even a Red Bull Formula One team has just gone to shit. Like they were like they actually doing pretty well this season. You know, constructors championship, Max in the lead, and then. Pfft, shit the last couple of the last couple of races so yeah there's just nothing involving sports in my life is is remotely like enjoyable or fun so i'm just extra fucking miserable lewis hamilton is inevitable man i'm so sorry (laughs) seriously like it's just uh, ah damn it uh what was it i was about to say yeah i think basically my closing thought for the episode is that i want president xi to buy the club like (laughs) You know, like, fuck your local ownership, your fan-owned socio, <laughs> like, fucking, uh, what is it, your fan-owned socio, like, fan-owned mo- owned models or whatever fucking bullshit. I don't know, I just want to go full regime, man. President <laughs> Xi, please buy the club, uh, because I think if China is any, indic- is any indication, I think your domestic soccer scene is the way it is, because it prevents the population from posting too much cringe. Right, I think you saw the state of American <laughs> soccer Twitter and realized, no, I cannot have my people doing this and just decided to make Chinese soccer suck outright shit. So if President Xi buying the club makes American soccer less Reddit, 
That is the biggest dub that I can think of to show that China, the Chinese way works. Basically, <laughs> basically where I'm at. So, uh, President Xi, please liberate my club. <laughs> On my hands and knees, I'm begging you. I've, I've had enough of this fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, god. Man. God. Remember I SOS Cuba? <laughs> SOS Cuba was basically Coney 2021. Do you realize? Funny how that oh, worked. Eh? Oh, man. The very fact that I didn't get assassinated by the CIA after our Inner Miami preview episode shows that, like, America, America's kind of slipping dog. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah, we're at that part of the episode. Yeah, we've got, we've got nothing. We've got nothing left to say, ladies and gents. I'm sorry if you if you tuned in here for insight. No, I've been very clear from the start. This is just an outright struggle session right now. Uh, oh man, God, this sucks. <laughs> if you'd have asked me five weeks ago if I would be this miserable right now as a fucking fan of this team, I would have said no. There's no way. Yeah. We're doing we're doing so much better. We're going to fuck Miami up. We're going to make all the memes and then more memes for fucking Toronto. And none of that happened. Yeah. Nothing. There, okay. there was a good meme that came out of Miami. The, 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 um, the lightning one. With, uh, oh, the Red Bull, the Red Bull lightning meme. That was good. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to good. Luca for that. That was good shit. That was really fucking good. And then that's it. That is the last time we've posted the Red Bull. Yeah, because it's been it's been the antithesis since you know, uh, and it's uh, gonna be at least a month before we get to post that. Because like, just crunching numbers. I mean, we would have to just completely fucking sweep all of like the upcoming four games, and probably even the last, the fourth game of the homestand, which is on the on September eleventh against the DC, for us to be like, we're back, baby, sixth place. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to speak out against all the anti bald person violence though that i've been witnessing on my timeline i i <laughs> wait the who all the all the anti-bald person violence that i've been seeing oh on yeah my timeline. like it, it, it's not it's not it's not it's not the fault of bald people you guys <laughs> not all bald people i mean look at michael bradley for oh sorry sorry look at bob bradley for the love of god i should say <laughs> Um. Yeah, that's basically going to be it for us. Uh, do you have anything else you'd want to add? Really, I think uh, we've prolonged the end of the episode longer than we needed to. Yeah. Please <laughs> one. Please. Yeah, I I just want to have one episode where we don't sound like we're like five Guinnesses deep, just like fucking on the floor at the local pub begging for like the nukes to be launched you know like yeah. <laughs> there's one yeah, something like, nice to talk about yeah and, and there, there's you know there's there's always that joke oh you sound like your dog died my dog literally passed away on friday which is why the episode had to get canceled yeah so like how how i sound now is pretty much how i like have sounded for like days now it really sucks <laughs> it's not yeah see yeah yet another victim uh you know a memorial for victims of red bull soccer is basically what I'm going to start my foundation, <laughs> start a foundation for. So yeah, um, yeah, I guess as a Metro Fan TV saying peace. Uh, once again, we'd like to invite President Xi to buy the club 
and uh, have a good night. Later.